0: I'm recording. Well, I'm so sorry I'm not there. Well, then I'll just vamp until you're there. Wait, no, I mean... Um, what? hi. <laughs> oh. No, Should I stop I, I recording? Just, I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm not there in person. Oh, I get it. Yes. Oh,
1: I get it. I thought you meant you just weren't by your device. You know I'm not mad at you. Well, you
0: you you, you can't be, technically. But you can be.
1: No, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was hopeful that we would record live together today and it would be our first live <laughs> together Reed and Jeremy episode. Yes, me too. But me too. it wasn't meant to be because you, you skipped town and
0: you're not here. Yeah, I had to, I had to run away. It was not expected, but it okay. happened. And so for once, I'm here and you're yeah, not. Fortunately, I did see you. And we had the yeah, that was delicious stew, chicken stew with yeah. <laughs> biscuits on top.
1: I liked it. I mean, I, some, I loved it. I had some misgivings about the way the chicken felt on my teeth, but.
0: Yes. Did you have well, it as well? Well, we ate more of that chicken because there was chicken left over. Yeah. And it was a special chicken. I think something was up. It was not not great. No, uh,
1: uh, half the time I don't love chicken anymore. There's something about the texture of it that skeeps me
0: out. You know, I thought when I ate the rest of it the next day, I thought this tastes like turkey. Oh, It was rather which large. is not. It's not what one wants from a chicken.
1: No, no. Mm.
0: Yeah. But it was lovely to see you, and
1: that was really nice. We'll I was back
0: soon. very sleepy. Yeah.
1: I And, you know, I was falling asleep at dinner, and then I fell asleep on the couch. My body is in a place of
0: rest at the moment. I, same. And I'm having a hard time um, sleeping past 4 a.m. Oh, you're jet lagged. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Interesting.
1: Very confused. I so. I don't know that I'm in a place of jet lag, but I am in a place of kind of hibernation after a long period yeah. of manic energy output. And now mm-hmm. my, my body's
0: like, go to bed always. Right. I'm trying to, um, keep in mind the insanity of last week and not feel bad about, uh, feeling the way I feel and being yeah. completely uninspired and, uh, A halo of depression.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it can like, from the outside, it can sound exciting and exotic to say, I'm going to Venice to do art. But the reality is, is that you put your body into this treacherous Mm -hmm. space, you plop it down in an unfamiliar space, and then you have two seconds before suddenly you have to do work. And it's so exhausting.
0: I truly don't know how the dancers do it. I mean, it's different, and and I don't I don't know about it at all. (laughs) Um, But the kind of the creative process, you know, sort of arriving somewhere and being sort of confused, and then having to like pull something out of the air. My, um, it's it's an interesting thing.
1: It's not great. I mean, my experience being... I'm traveling you to my bedroom now because I have all this talk about tired. I want to lay down. <laughs> great. Um, all this talk about being tired. Um, my experience of being a touring concert dancer in my yeah. mid-20s to 30s was, um, largely unpleasant and yeah. it, you know, I'm, it's sort of like a relief to just sort of say like, Oh, I've, I've been a lot of places, you know, cause mm-hmm. then it, it doesn't feel like this pressure of like, well, how, am I ever, am I ever going to go to Budapest or whatever? It's like, well, I, I have been, but have I
0: <laughs> question mark?
1: Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So it sort of scratches this itch that I think a lot of people have, which is like, I'd like to see the world before I'm dead. And I did yeah. see a lot of the world, but I was half dead as I was seeing it. So that was hard because I was just very yeah. so tired.
0: Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah, pretty much all of my world international travel has been for work. I and know. I've, greatly appreciated it and I <coughs> this this felt different for a lot of reasons and was great for a lot of reasons artistically whatever um but it was longer like when i've traveled mm. for work it's been more concise and so it's like intense but like three or four days rather than like 10 days or whatever this was
1: like when you've traveled for shoots
0: yeah for commercial work so yeah um, you don't have to keep it up for so long <laughs> so then you can kind of you just kind of like just burn yourself to the ground but then yeah. it's over and you're like okay well now i'm dead but it's okay cause yeah. it's done.
1: look i'm um, grateful that i got to see the world on someone else's dime and yeah. i likely would have enjoyed it a lot more if i if i was one of those dancers who just loved dancing
0: mm-hmm.
1: but i'm at the end of the day i'm not uh-huh <laughs> I'm a dancer yeah. who loves dance, but I didn't, right, right, I, right, I don't love, right. love, love, love dancing that much.
0: Yeah. I watched, I looked up, um, this Merce Cunningham piece called Ocean. Oh yeah. That they did it. The reason I looked it up is because it, they performed it at very qu- close to where I grew up. At a quarry. Strangely, at a quarry in yeah. St. Cloud, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I just looked it up because it was sort of like the closest thing that ever came to where I grew up. And I was watching this little documentary on YouTube and Charles Atlas was hired to make a film of it and he laughs saying how they first started collaborating because Merce thought if they made films, they wouldn't have to tour. Uh. (laughs) Which struck me as this, as this, yeah, the reality of, like, actually no one wants to tour. I mean, I, I mean, I, as, like, a young person and still now, like, as an old person, you know, um, love at least the idea of traveling.
1: No, the idea is wonderful. The idea is wonderful of traveling with a group, like a family, and, like, getting to mm-hmm. see the world together and, you know, aspects of that really do come to fruition where you're having these lovely dinners and getting Mm -hmm. intimate with these people who you are both performing with and being creative with and traveling with but you know Merce was in this situation where a lot especially at that time when he was meeting Charles Atlas where a lot of the touring the company had been doing was like state funded so they were doing these like endless tours of like Mm -hmm. Asia and Europe and where and Central America and they would like go for months and it sure and there weren't the same kind of like safety regulations through like the union that ended up coming in later so these dancers were putting their bodies through hell for huge long Mm -hmm. periods of time it's awful
0: yeah and and you're not making like I I my feeling in it was that also Merce was just like wanted to make work totally like I don't want to, I did this already. I don't want to, like, travel around doing the same old thing Yeah, like, can we just, like, stay in the village and, like, make stuff? But, like, you have to pay for it. Right. And you have to perform it (coughs) a million times in order to make any money.
1: Right. I mean, luckily, Merce's works, at least there was some element of change for some of the pieces every night.
0: Right, right, right. I mean, and that's probably part of why they were built that way.
1: Right. Because of that
0: experience.
1: I I really relate to that. Like, I feel somehow... Maybe not always. Maybe not always. But I do feel sort of detached from tradition or, like, things, like, being consistently the same. I'm like, isn't it more fun if it changes? Anyways.
0: Yeah. Um... Well, that sort of brings up one of the topics I had in mind for today, which is the Tony Awards and musicals, which the Tonys are also plays and whatnot. But um, I just, I've been like Mm. thinking a lot about my hatred or resentment or whatever it is towards musical theater, (laughs) Broadway. I guess Broadway sort of Uh holds the the plays and whatnot as well but um and and I guess it's sort of a question of like the musical as a form Uh uh-huh which I I I have a hard time believing it is one a form a form (laughs) yeah like it feels like it is some um kind of uh, commercialized opera?
1: Yeah, yes. Well, it is, you know, it is in America, anyway, I mean, all over the world now, it seems, like as a performance medium, it has stepped away from being like concert dance or opera or a choral concert by being entirely capitalist
0: well in in like pop popular culture yeah right. I mean, it's popular yeah
1: and, yeah and but even the financial structure of these shows right. are to play as many times as possible right in order to increase revenue for the people involved as opposed to you know cur curate, curate um these um organizations that curate art where like they're nonprofits where they're there to make right. enough money to pay the artists, but at the end of the day, they're there to share with the public a variety of things that will um, be, what's the word I'm thinking? Oh, it's cultivate a kind of knowledge and understanding and um, enrich a community.
0: Right. Instead of like being cultural institutions that are maybe funded by the state or, you know, or private money, but sort of, through, I mean, even our, even those things like BAM or Lincoln Center or whatever are, are so tied to private money and sort of, and, and not even just the money aspect, or I guess also the money aspect of subscription audiences, which is like, I want to see this kind of work. Right. Which is generally <clears throat> towards a popular entertainment. Mm. Um yeah so that that's is sort of my sense of the frame of it <laughs> that but it's i that I of... thought that you had a history with
1: musical theater and 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 maybe like some of it,
0: yeah, I think this is sort of where like the resentment you know it's sort of like questioning my own kind of uh not hatred but you know whatever negative orientation um I think, you know, like, for me, rent was a big deal to see in high school. Mm. Because, and so now I feel like the resentment of it is that, like, that was as good as could reach me. Like, because that is, like, what the commerce allowed to travel. Right. This is the second
1: time within two days that I've heard someone utter those words. What words? That, That rent was very impactful on their, you know,
0: development as a Well, a combination of like queer AIDS, punk kind of uh uh aggressiveness. You know, I did musical theater in high school, so like seeing this alternative style in in a musical universe, you know, was something. Right.
1: Um, what year was that?
0: <laughs> I, I mean, when I saw Rent. Or what year do we think Rent When's, kind of came to be for people? I, I think Rent is late 90s. Late?
1: Okay. Late 90s. No? You know, I don't know. I was, I was thinking 97, which would count as late 90s. But yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. You know, I was in a... I was... Look... We all know how I feel about musical theater. And I was in a, I, I was in a place specifically at that time and in the 10 years prior to that, of being at institutions and amongst people who scoffed at musical theater, who held their nose up to such a thing. Um, and I can appreciate that I was um, conditioned to not like it. Um, and I, so in that way, I can appreciate that I'm in an unusual situation and that there probably are valu- valuable things about musical theater that I just
0: have not felt. Okay. So the workshop was in 93. It goes, it's on off Broadway 96 and then Broadway 96 and then tours, Yeah, you know, I think I saw it in like 2002 or something. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. Um, yes, and, and, you know, it's a, it's also, it's tied into this, this thing of, like, I don't want to, I don't want to discount the, like, my experience of it and, like, the importance of it to me as a young person. And, right. and I don't want to, like, you know, when I... Criticize something. I don't. I. I don't want anyone to feel bad that they like something or like are that they have an emotional response to anything and you know love things. So, because I, I feel differently in this way about things I've seen, and I I. I'm not interested in. Sort of diminishing my interest or feeling towards things (laughs) right not the point of criticism for me right no i'm actually trying to like have a richer experience right you don't want to
1: just like feel a way about something so that you're a part of like a popular opinion or an opinion amongst a group of people that you admire it's more fun to kind of have an authentic feeling about something and then process that
0: yeah and 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 encourage emotional experiences so uh, yeah. you know it's
1: uh yeah I can name I several emotional experiences I've had with musical theater
0: and that's pretty good
1: yeah and I'm not talking yeah. about the hate emotion I'm talking about like right and
0: I'm I'm yeah and I I think that there I I think there's this question around like the form of musicals I feel like when musicals succeed, they do what operas do, or like operas are sort of this hy- kind of hyperbolic, kind of extraordinary quality. Right. Um, so then I'm kind of like, I don't know. There's some 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 question. I'm not really sure, but. I mean,
1: are musicals, um, are musicals radical in the way that they deviated from stricter forms? You know, because opera is this piece of, it's a play, right? Operas mm-hmm. are plays where nothing is spoken and everything is sung. Right. And then plays are things where people say words. And then there's like oratorios, which are kind of, Not enacted plays that are sung. And then suddenly musical theater appears Mm -hmm. in, you know, what, early 20th century. We're talking Gilbert and Sullivan. Was that late, late 19th century? I don't know. Sounds good. And they're like, well, why don't we just do it all? Why don't we talk and sing and it can be funny and it's kind of whatever. And it's for everybody. Right.
0: Right. I think, I think my problem is, is sort of my problem in general, which is when a form sort of forgets itself and takes everything for granted. Oh. So like an idea of like, oh, well, we'll just put some songs and then people talk and like, there it is. Like turning, turning, uh, like, <laughs> an album into a musical. You know, things like that where it's just sort of like, oh, well, we'll just, we'll just take this thing and make it into a musical. Right. Without any sense of, like, why are people singing now?
1: Was this happening Um, before Glee, this, like, jukebox structure? was like are those twilight art musicals jukebox musicals because they're like frank sinatra songs or billy joel
0: songs or whatever i don't know Uh, i mean i think i think there's like probably a a a fair tradition of like bringing popular songs into i think of like um and i actually don't know the the order of events here but like um what's that boat musical anything goes I was gonna um, say Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Has that been a musical? Oh yes. Uh, I mean, it it, and it should be like the it, drama.
1: I someone Jacob, who, recent friend of the podcast, said it's his favorite musical. I said that's unbelievable. Who even knows a song from Titanic the musical?
0: Incredible. Probably a lot of gays. A lot of gays. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. Um. You know, like, I love a hairspray because I think, like, the whole thing is so outrageous that it feels correct. Yeah. Like, it's just, it is hyperbolic. It's camp. It's like, this is just a good time. Great. Let's do this.
1: Right. I mean, but um, when you're starting, when your source materials are already so camp, starting with a John Waters story and then yes. moving it into the musical genre, you're like, um, that's ideal. It's literally like a match made yes. in heaven.
0: I think when I, you have these kind of like serious stories, right, it gets tricky boots, leave and, me alone.
1: Right, unless you're like Stephen Sondheim, who yes. was sort of genius at understanding how lyrics and music can be in conversation with one another in this really truthful way. But Sondheim wasn't writing things in order like to make them catchy or to
0: make them. Right. He was, he was using music to complicate the scenarios. Exactly. Not to like sell the, the plot or, you know, sell the emotion to the audience.
1: Musical theater music nowadays, in my experience of it, which isn't comprehensive, is so easy and cheap. It's
0: insane. Yeah, actually, I do feel like this, like, this thing of selling the emotion is maybe where I, I, I find it the most distasteful.
1: Well, I I don't like being emotionally manipulated in a in a way that's so overt and gross which is you know why I really take issue with plays like The Inheritance and Hamilton and these things where it's just like they are spelling out for you why you should feel a certain way about this thing and you're like well you've left no space for me to have an experience
0: Yes. Also, yeah. Everything has been determined. So, totally. like, what are we doing here? Also, it... determined in a conventional way. Yeah. I don't like but it. But like with some, some I assume some sense of like uh, innovation. Like, but like in the most superficial way. Right. Like, this doesn't have anything to do with anything, anyway. This this conversation um, (laughs) is
1: making me appreciate Bob Fossey's Dancing now playing at the Old Globe in San Diego.
0: Yeah, well, it was you know, we watched some of the some video, whatever, and I thought, yeah, this seems like something that could be watched because it's essentially a dance,
1: it's a dance with some like little interstitial things, but essentially, you get to sit and enjoy the experience of music and movement coming together in a really extraordinary way through, you know, the mind of Bob Fosse and the bodies of these like incredible
0: and diverse dancers. It's kind of great. And God knows those people are talented. Everyone involved is like tremendously talented. I mean, just like on Broadway. This is oh, this is sure. what sort of disturbs me the most. I'm like these are all tremendously talented people and this is what's happening.
1: This is the machine. And I think, yeah, the very, you know, the kind of machine structure of Broadway, I think ends up sort of addling the minds of the people involved. It's just like, do the same thing over and over and over again. There's there's no opportunity to cultivate any kind of life or, you know, like, they don't get to go to another show
0: ever, you know, it's not good. Yeah, they're too expensive to see. (laughs)
1: <laughs> They're um, at the same time, even.
0: I did watch, because Dear Evan Hansen is now on HBO Max. You did it? Did you do I it? I watched about one minute, and I thought, they are really trying to keep all the light in the room from hitting this face so that you can't <laughs> see. <laughs> well, my first thought was Tremendous. like, this
1: is a CGI mask, this is a CGI mask. And... um Wow. Did you get the opportunity to see Ben Platt sing a song between two Pottery Barn Lamps in Amy Adams' living room? I don't think so. This is when the movie really takes a turn towards what am
0: I looking at? (laughs) (laughs) Question mark. I mean, I just couldn't. I thought, there's nothing here. There... There's a lot of nothing there. I do wish... I do feel like it could have made for an interesting airplane experience, though, but... Yeah, well, you would have been more of a
1: captive audience. You wouldn't have had as many options as you did being home.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, maybe that... Maybe that will still happen someday.
1: Wow. I would would sit with you and fast-forward through that movie.
0: Oof, just the thought of pulling it up again to watch it is Ooh, cringe. The wig they put on Ben Platt. Have you started... Ugh, it's... I I mean, I don't envy... I uh, I, uh, I mean, I think I stopped when I saw Amy, Amy Adams because I thought this is too sad. It's It's tremendously sad. And not, yeah. not for the reasons it wants to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> again, like a serious thing. In, like these songs. I just, like, How interesting, really, though... That the boy
1: in Dear Evan Hansen who plays the suicidal teen is the very actor who plays the suicidal teen in The Girl from Plainville. I know. How about being typecast to play the same person in every everything, and a very That's specific, great. very specific
0: kind of person? <laughs> That's how the biz works. Biz works. I guess
1: so, anyways, what They're were you like, gonna say? What if have I begun? Um,
0: what. I was going to ask if you have watched Stair- The Staircase. Did we talk about this? We talked a little bit, but I'd love to talk
1: about it on the podcast. Wow, wow. It's really... So you, so you have. Oh, yeah. All... Have you watched all three episodes? All three. Yeah. In quick succession.
0: It's, it is really that first episode, though, that is something to behold.
1: I It's... You can correct me if I'm wrong. It's not in the first episode that we get to see the tremendous scene of tony collette enacting the death
0: i believe it's the second episode oh okay so yeah that is for me i was like this this seems like an explanation to me
1: well i think the people who make the show are sort of pointing towards that like do you see how incredibly enacted this performance of death is doesn't this make you think it could have happened yes the answer is yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I don't remember what I thought when I watched the documentary series. I think I thought, well, this guy is such a creep, but I don't think he killed his wife. I think I thought
0: could go either way. I thought this person could definitely kill someone. But in a way that would be like, oops, I killed you. Oh my goodness. Well... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's what the lawyers are trying to you know the prosecutors yeah. are trying to say like he oops killed her you know because he's like has a lot of rage stemming from secrets. his bisexuality yeah. and secrets etc and you know rimming as parker would say in the show incredible she's a real it's such a pleasure to have parker back in all her glory in a part really that she was born
0: to play it's incredible Every But literally, like, everyone on the show is such a pleasure. They're all nailing it. And this it. is, this is, this is, um, this is direction. This is, like, someone making a space for these actors to show up like this. And do That's we know place. who directed it? Yeah, he's, he's made a, he, you know, you made Christine. Oh, right, right, right,
1: right, right, right. Martha. Martha May um, Marlene Mom- Martha Mary May Marlene
0: yeah. yeah mother may i um yeah so a person who really like knows how to handle some weird tonal stuff wow that first episode was i we i was like i have, i can't because there's there's just there's a way of like the way that it was constructed I just felt like this. Everyone feels like a dead body, like that. Like everyone could be dead. At any, like I don't know. There's something about like the way that the the people were framed. The actors are framed.
1: Uh huh. And
0: and these cuts between like Tony Collette as like a dead person and then like oh there she is, like talking. Tony.
1: There's just like Tony Collette. This, I'm not a, I'm not always a fan, but I have to say that Tony Collette has taken the only character in this whole scenario that we have we have very little to go off of, I'm assuming. And she has used her creativity to come up with what is essentially the most realistic of all the characters. It's
0: incredible. Yeah, but it's also like kind of camp. It's so comp. It's really amazing. I think but it's the way it's that incredible.
1: she's so like
0: tired. Mhm, mhm. That could. But be... also like the the sounds in the house. Oh yeah. The the neck brace. The <laughs> incredible. neck brace. She wow, jumps in that pool. <laughs> it's just so good. It is. It is. It is such a pleasure. And then I, I mean the cast is. I can't I mean Juliet Binoche Juliet like, Binoche doing? is suddenly in the show when do we get another and she's, episode she's kind of haunting this you're sort of, like I love this like You she, sort of, she just she? the
1: sort of side of her face for a moment she disappears you think who is that then you see a little bit more of her you know hours later it's Juliet Binoche you think what gorgeous gorgeous and she's impossibly beautiful still and yeah do we get another episode on Thursday
0: I have no idea Okay, but I suspect another another episode will come out.
1: Wow, wow,
0: incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what, why are you upstate? Well, sort of related <laughs> to the staircase. but I don't know if I can say that, so i um but uh yeah, All right. um I'm not gonna say because I don't know. Oh, Jack is it's scared of fall. It's not is scared really to my fall. information. It's not really my information. Anyway. Um, but yeah, it's the end of the semester. That's all great. Um, all right. I also wanted to, to bring up Russell's wonderful article. Oh, sure. Did you have a chance to read that? Many,
1: many times. Many revisions.
0: I've yeah. Seen. Oh, interesting. That's yeah. just great. Because... I thought it was amazing for the, I guess, the obvious reasons, um, but also like the fact that it was written, which I feel like, um, is a tricky thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, indeed. And I think, <laughs> which is, I think Russell yeah. felt that when he decided to kind of explore this topic in the article, cause I think the times was like, what would you like to write about next? you know as a kind of follow up to the one, the piece he did about um last i guess it was fall before the Sofia Coppola video gala which was you know aimed at discussing what it was like to the experience of coming back after pandemic and mm-hmm. dancing with a, a body you know another body yeah um and i think you know this is something he's thought a lot about in in his own experience being a, being a dancer in a queer body in a ballet company. And, um, he approached it with a ton of care because through revisions, you know, we were talking about like who he was afraid of hurting, you know, like, are there people Mm -hmm. involved in this story that could feel hurt by the topic? Mm -hmm. And I, Mm -hmm. I just was like, Russell, there's, The way in which you're talking about this is very personal. It's not actually about discrediting other people's experience. It's about illuminating your experience. So there's no reason why other people should feel hurt by this. And you're writing in a in a way that is in no way denigrating to anybody.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: So Yeah, I think that's right. I, yeah there are people who are upset <laughs> about it in the way that a lot of people are struggling to understand the importance of art shifting or the importance of actually thinking about well, art from the is
0: past the problem with just general criticism of
1: well, I think there's there's Stuff. one criti- one way of looking at it I think some people are looking at it like, why does ballet need any more negative press? And I'm like, Well, this isn't negative press, this is just thoughtful writing of a personal experience. It's not negative yeah, I press I mean it was
0: it was rough that it was right next to that other article. About, about Abby. The, yeah, the Stafford family.
1: Oh, it's apples
0: and oranges. <laughs> well right and also like I mean talk to anyone downtown they'd love to have an article about something oh of course, you know, of course. Like, any press is good press like the fact that people are talking about you is Right. it's also Russell's frame is like look at all the things that could happen like there is room here for people to feel differently yeah And that's all, like, I don't think Russell is saying that all roles need to be made for Russell to feel good or, you know, to feel like uh, queer. It's, that's not, that's not how dance works. Russell is not asking,
1: he's not asking for these dances to be changed because he's had some discomfort around them. That's not the point. Yeah. And also, like you I mean you I, I, I hadn't even thought of this, but look, ballet takes up a ton of space in the dance yeah. world, and it, it and that's not
0: always a good thing. Often it's not a good thing. And well, also um, like the New York Times is basically where I get my news about dance. right. So it's, it's, it then is what we talk about. So yeah. which is just an example of I'm sure like a, a fairly common dynamic. It's like the news well, you get is the news you then talk about.
1: Yeah, it's also like we the the movies we uh, TV shows we talk about most are the ones that most people see because they have like big resources and big audiences and big platforms right. to show That's... their their product. And so that is mm-hmm. the very situation we're with ballet where has the biggest audience and the biggest theater and the biggest organizations. And so therefore they get the most space in the paper. And that is, we end up talking about it. But anyway, anyways, all this to say, Russell did write a very thoughtful and somewhat, I guess, provocative piece for the times, which I I actually, I did not foresee it being provocative, but I guess, I guess it is.
0: Well, it it is, it is critical, in a way, that you know anyone who's like who has sort of joined their self to this institution could feel offended by, but right, you know I mean, it, it. was it's my under- a, it's my understanding a bizarre, that... bizarre and normal way to relate to things. I guess
1: I guess there I there was, you know. I, I think some resistance from the New York city ballet organization when Russell submitted a draft, cause I guess they had access to reading it before publication. And I think generally they, they felt like why does this seems, um, this makes it seem like you don't like dancing or like they, I think they misunderstood the point of the article because I don't think you can write so thoughtfully about a form that you don't like. I think it's so (laughs) clear that you have to care about something a great deal to think about it in this way.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, you know, back to Broadway of like, but it's much easier when everyone's just a robot. Yeah. You know, like just do the job and like sell tickets. Thank you so much.
1: Right. Don't have, don't have any misgivings about it, even if like you feel uncomfortable and please smile and, and make everyone think you're having a terrific time.
0: Yeah. Well, I will say, I thought that the article could have, that it, that it, um, wanted more, more space. I felt like this is a longer article. Definitely. So I hope, I hope, um, Russell continues. I, I, I imagine Russell will continue to think about these things. Oh
1: yeah. I mean, I think this is <laughs> they have been thought about for years. I'm sure this is at the heart <laughs> of what Russell has been thinking about and is yeah. very well positioned to be a kind of expressive force about because Russell is not only a principal dancer at New York City Ballet who is tasked with taking on these kinds of roles inside of a queer body, but Russell is also thinking a lot about his own queerness in the context of the world and also specifically in the context of the history of this company. And then Russell is also, um, a writer in terms of what his school schooling has been, you know, Russell Mm -hmm. isn't just writing, um, haphazardly Russell is in conversation, you know, has a degree in writing and has now, and is in conversation with many other writers about the work. Etc.
0: Yeah, it's great. It is great. Yeah, Thankful. It's really I, great. Th- I'm sure there will be more, and I'm. It's. Well, sick- I also I also think it's exciting to have. Different like. A kind of straightforward like review criticism is so tedious and uh, like it's like. What do you like? Who cares what you think? Like it was okay. just so. <laughs> it's it's just like. I don't like this thing. It's like, okay. Um, that having other forms of dialogue about this work, which is, you know, somewhat what we're trying to do here is, it's just like, talk about things differently. Um, it's great. And, and in the New York times, I think it's great to have like voices from different places talking about stuff, which is kind of the point of the article as well. Yeah. How about some other voices in the room? Thanks. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. To continue with ballet over at ABT.
1: Oh right. Stuff is wow, you too. have a you really have a good list of things. I hadn't thought of anything.
0: Well I <clears throat> I spent five minutes on Instagram and Oh.
1: <laughs> you you spent five minutes in hell.
0: <laughs> yeah. Five five minutes was enough. Yeah. Um Susan um, Jaffe. Yeah. What is are you aware of?
1: her. I mean, um yeah, are, but... of course I grew up watching Susan dance. <clears throat> and you know, with an understanding that she is like one of the most accomplished American ballerinas of the 20th century Work. and she What does that mean? That accomplished. She came up in a time when ballet really mattered in America when mm. you know Baryshnikov was yeah. being the director of ABT and ballet was having a real renaissance in terms of um, how much attention it was getting, etc. And Susan Jaffe was kind of riding the tail end of this craze with ballet, you know, post-Turning mm-hmm. Point, etc. Movies
0: and stuff, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it was also at a time when people had a lot of reverence towards various styles of ballet and the specificity of those things so you find that the dancers in abt were so very different from the dancers in new york city ballet and so very different from the dancers in the royal ballet and those differences still exist but i think things are blurring now that so much repertoire gets shared and there's so information is so easily accessible via video and people take classes elsewhere you know whatever like everything is more available now. So there's more homogeneity like of, of ways style. of dancing. Yeah, yeah. Style. Yeah. But Susan came up in a time when like classical ballet was classical ballet. And she was at ABT mm-hmm. telling telling story okay. ballets and being a important vehicle for choreographers who were also being hired to make ballets like Ulysses Dove and, um, and Clark Tippett and you know who else was made? I don't know you know people who were making story dances and abstract dances at ABT were turning towards dancers like Susan Jaffe um, and then she moved into leadership roles after her time being a famous ballerina and worked as the dean at North Carolina School of the Arts in the dance program and then now, director of the Pittsburgh Valley Theater for the last few years, and now has made the logical next step to being the director of America Valley Theater. Was
0: yeah, does that, I mean, that help? Seems seems. I mean. Mm-hmm. Exciting to have women take over. I mean, but also yeah, because I read that article. It also seems like other top top leadership, like. Executive roles are also newly uh, taken by women, which is great.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, I think ABT has had a history of female leaders in the like
0: executive. It was also branch. founded by Lucia Chase, right? Yeah. So, I mean, work. Yeah, it is
1: historically a female-run company, and here we are a million years later. <laughs> Moving back. back. Moving back to, you know, the reason. And I, my hope for ABT and for, I don't know what Susan plans on doing, but I hope that they really think about why ABT is. Like, Mm -hmm. what is the importance of American Ballet Theatre? And why does the company exist in the first place? Which is as a kind of vehicle to explore the possibilities of storytelling in a new way to like transcend the structures of storytelling via you know swan lake giselle le corsair etc mm-hmm. how now can we tell stories in a in a dance language in a way that feels current that feels um conceptual in in, in a new way which they absolutely did in the mid 20th century with choreographers like Agnes DeMille and Anthony Tudor. And here mm. we are today, ABT doing absolutely nothing to to uh, participate in that vision aside from occasionally bringing back those excellent ballets that were made <laughs> in the 40s and 50s almost um, so, a 100 years ago. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. you know, who knows? Maybe they'll s- step their pussy up and start doing what they're meant to do.
0: Well, and ABT, what, has, like, this... They have, like, the incubator... What do, what do they... What they, are they have doing? the... Yeah, the choreographic incubator thing.
1: Right. I don't know. And
0: that's, that's like, it.
1: I mean, look, they also have Alexa Ratmansky as the resident choreographer, who certainly right. has participated in the structure of telling stories through dance, but Alexei's vision is very often to traditional right to excavate old yeah. stories and yeah. old productions and show them to us again which i also right. appreciate which is its absolutely own valuable structure
0: but it's right but it's 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 kn- kind of a a single lane yeah
1: so uh, i don't know i yeah. I,
0: do, I wish them the best well i mean i wish us all the best right totally like hopefully they can do something that's it is a company
1: full of exceptional dancers and i i hope that their their skills are put to good use moving forward
0: um speaking of abt exceptional dancers you you mentioned when i saw you the james whiteside piece that was oh okay we have a lot of oh my gosh So much dance. So much exciting. I just really thought last week we didn't talk about anything. So I thought, let's, let's talk about some dance. So I
1: went to see (laughs) New York theater ballet and they, um, did a program that had a new Richard Alston piece and a Niccolo Fonti piece and a, a new Gemma Bond duet. And then a piece by James Whiteside to, um, Who's that composer? Louis Prima? No. Tito Puente music. And it's called... What does it sound like? I don't know who this person is. Like Caribbean jazz or something. Wait, let me... me, Can we look up Tito Puente so that I can't be... So I'm not a stupid person?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, shit. Oh, I'm still recording. Okay, good. (laughs) Okay, Tito Puente... You will recognize the music instantly when you hear it. Um, this is oh, Puerto Rican, mambo and Latin jazz.
0: My buzzer just rang. I wonder if oh, it's male. Is it Chinese food? No, uh, I just got like such Certainly a intense like living in New York City. Hello. Stuff arriving. It's Chinese food. It's you know whatever indian food it's
1: i um, a pizza. It's, I, I really don't order food. in i never it's order food.
0: in. i know we don't either so it's that's that's i guess where that feeling comes from mambo Bring me food. and
1: mambo and latin jazz and um
0: it's wonderful this is, this is music that james used music that is recognizable that we recognize You would,
1: Yeah, you would recognize the feeling of it, certainly.
0: Oh, okay.
1: If not the tune, you'd recognize the feeling. Anyways, the piece is called Mamba Rama, and um, it it was danced excellently by the performers of New York Theatre Ballet and costumed in, like, the highest camp glittery costumes by Eric Winterling. And James made a genius gem of a dance that is hysterical. It is innovative. It's... Has, I mean I can't I had the best time watching it and I I hope that James makes more dances in this vein move, moving forward I loved
0: it I love I love it. Lo- I love, love loved it. Love it you know I think of um, Clark Tippett mm-hmm. um, who uh, had an AIDS oral history uh, recording uh, at the library which you can go and listen to um, where is she really gives the tea on all kinds of things and is like, don't release this till I'm dead. <laughs> um, it's really good. Um, yeah, and, like, the... it, You know, and it, it, I think back to Russell's article in the sense of, like, give me your dance so that I can be myself in it. Like... Right. There has to be a diversity of of choreographers who are doing their work. Like, I think right. so often what happens is that when a choreo- choreographer is given a chance to make a dance, they try to make the dance they think they should make Right. for that place that, like, will get them respect or, like, another opportunity to make a dance. And then, like, one day they'll make... I mean, I don't even think the idea is there that they're not making their own dance, but like, it's really scary to not, like, not put in the effort to make the dance that you think the place is asking you for.
1: Right. It like, is scary. I'm to, like constantly to
0: be, feeling that. To like, be
1: vulnerable, to be like, this is the, what I am and what I mm-hmm. care about and what I know. Right and you have to...
0: It also takes practice to develop that, and especially in making a dance where, like for me, like I can make stuff in a room alone without other people, but like you need, if you are gonna make a dance on 10 people, you need 10 people to make a dance on. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you don't get a lot of time. That's an expensive endeavor when you have these bodies.
1: I think this the circumstances so. in this particular situation really allowed James to be expressive in a way that feels very true in terms of you know exploiting his uncanny comic timing mm-hmm. and and I mean I don't I don't want it's to speak really for I don't yes. want to speak for James but I mean I oh, yeah don't <laughs> I think I think it was astonishing. I loved it. I love love loved it.
0: Yeah i love that that's a yeah it's exciting to hear and um yeah i hope to see it and hope there are more dances i I hope i hope so too
1: i went to see dance against cancer a couple nights ago and this
0: is a, a fundraising event
1: yeah it's a fundraising event that aaron fogarty and daniel albrecht put on every year uh for the dance community to raise money for the American Cancer Society and um and it's crazy. It's absolutely like a, I mean, talk about a poopoo platter. It's um yeah. but it's it's great. It's like everyone comes together, they tech a show in one second and mm-hmm. everybody donates their efforts and work and so many people show up and it's fun. But it's also, it's jarring to be an audience member and, like, move between, you know, disparate vernaculars. It's like, whoa,
0: where are we? I Um, love that, though. You do? Yeah, I think that's so great. I think, like... I wish there was more kind of wild curations of, like, different kinds of work on a single... Yeah, I think of, like, the Sarah Mearns thing of, mm-hmm. like, different works together and see so people see different, people see what they didn't come to see. I think that's, like, I think that's, oh, it's right. what's exciting to me about going to the ballet and seeing different programs of different works that, like, well, maybe I don't want to see.
1: It's kind of like Fall for Dance, how you, you know, you get trapped at City Center and, and maybe you're there to see one thing, but then you have to mm-hmm. see four things and a couple of them and you're like, oh, I didn't know about that.
0: I think it's great. This sounds extreme. It is extreme. Because everything's approximately like two minutes long. So then you're just like, well. I think it's great. I mean, it also reminds me of of one of the greatest live performance experiences of my life, which was the New York Public Library thing. Oh, it was so so
1: great. Their their gala. Uh, It was incredible. It was haunted house. It was variety haunted show. Haunted house. It was, it was
0: miscellaneous. It, it was, was wonderful. This and that. It was over here, over there. It was. I know. I loved Shout it. Shout out to but.
1: Brandon Sterling Baker for lighting that event mm. so exceptionally.
0: Yeah, that's that's. The lighting was strangely key. was like so key. Yeah.
1: The lighting was absolutely key in the. It kind of like of was event. the show. Totally, it like told you where to go, where to look, how to be. You know. So good. Um, wait, uh. anything else happened? Oh, so um, I, I. speaking of the other person who was talking about the transformative power of rent, I had been <clears> in a conversation <throat> with an Australian dancer long ago who like knew I was in Australia when I was in Australia. And for some reason, he... Uh, oh, I think he reached out because he had been in Canada and was inquiring about, like, the, the circumstances of my travel, etc. This person's name is Joe Chapman. And Joe is partnered with Jillian Vanstone, who I knew from having been, worked at National Ballet of Canada. And we had had... We sat at a gala dinner together and had, like, a sort of meaningful conversation. Anyways, I'd been in this weird conversation with Joe long ago... And then I saw that Joe was in New York. I said, oh, why are you here? He said, oh, I'm going to be here for a long time. I said, oh, well, um, let me know if you want to see a show or something. He said, I'd love to. I said, well, I'm actually going to see Dance Against Cancer. It's, and he said, I- I'd love to join. And li- he didn't know that I was getting him into such a crazy experience. But right before <laughs> the thing, we had dinner and we were you know, doing a get get to know you. And he was like. Oh, yeah, I saw Rent in New York when I was, like, six years old changed my life. I was like, oh, there you go. Six years old. Something like, maybe I'm, I think I could be forgetful. That does seem awfully young. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, you know,
0: who knows? I don't know anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't
0: that yeah, crazy? Yeah, I mean. You, you and Joe. This is also something, you know, that, like, people in different, times of their lives from different circumstances and different different art for different people in different zones you know yeah oh I, wait yeah, it's important to keep this in mind oh
1: god thank god i'm still recording i got scared that gorgeous important story might have just not made it to the end. Oh,
0: it's hard it's hard it's you have to keep watching the numbers it's
1: today's today's been a good day harry and i were productive but it was sort of like a half day did a lot of organizing, putting away past projects, and um, I, I got a present in the mail from a composer arranger on Danson who did this. I want to I wanna tell people about this lovely thing you can do, which is where you send somebody a gift, but what you receive is a text or an email that's basically like a, um, an e-post or whatever those are called. And then you, know. you open the thing and it's like, you have a gift from David and then it's like, you know, click on your gift. And then it takes you to a website where you can choose from an, any number of small gifts that are probably all within the same price range, but you get to choose the thing that you want. And it's all these like little nice things like a glass straw or
0: this feels weird. Oh, really? Like a, like a gift card, like a, like yeah, I'm but, just giving you money basically. No, but you have to choose a thing. I understand. So anyways, I but chose. it's sort of like, a, part of the gift giving is the, choosing I know it. something about you. This uh, represents our connection.
1: Well, look, so I So it's I, why I don't like
0: when someone gives you something you don't really want, you're sort of like, you're not my friend. Well, th- this situation
1: <laughs> this situation eliminates the possibility of that.
0: Well, it's sort of like okay, we are acquaintances. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, that yeah. You could so send it, flowers. You could send. In a situation... I literally have a a a a note of gift ideas because. Oh. I am like so often just like what am I gonna give? What right. so. I've well, I mean, I gave you a
1: rock for your birthday, so I can, I mean, I can't talk. I, I thought
0: don't. that was that was great, and honestly, my thought was, oh, I should have taken like something like this from Venice, because it is like it's meaningful. You're like, well, yeah, I thought of you when I was in this place. It's, it's nice, very nice,
1: nice to have a rock from a faraway place.
0: Yeah,
1: I still have a rock that's made of salt from a trip to a polish salt mine when i was 11 years old you know when i when i was in the boy choir we went to a polish salt mine we went down in some rickety you know mining elevator down 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 wow. into the earth and we walked around wow. these salt mines and then then suddenly you, it opens up into literally a cathedral or a chapel that had been mm. carved into the salt wow. underground amazing incredible that's how serious people are about catholicism they need to have a chapel even deep under the ground
0: it's terrifying
1: it's horrifying um anyways i got these air plants as my gift that i ordered and so today i've been like kind of learning about them and figuring out what to do and on my walk to work today i passed this shop on broom street called ochre and then these beautiful glass dishes that look kind of like yeah, you know, it's like what you put your fruit in. It's like a bird bath sort of thing. And um, I thought on my walk home, I'm gonna stop in there and see about buying one. And I, I started contemplating, what is the price that I'd be willing to pay for that thing? Because mm-hmm. clearly, clearly it was gonna be expensive. Because you know it's on Broom mm-hmm. Street. And I thought, I'd definitely pay eighty dollars for it. Wow. right? I know. But, and I thought, would I be crazy enough to pay up to $250 for it?
0: Wow. Wow. I know.
1: That's a gap. And so I went into the shop thinking, if it's $250, I'm not going to buy it. But if it's $80, I'm probably going to buy it. And if it's somewhere in between, I'll just think about it. And then I, um, I lifted up the birdbath and it was, um, it was $650. So I didn't buy it. (laughs) I didn't buy it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, so I'm
1: going to, I'll figure something out, where to place my air plants.
0: I mean, a coffee is now $8, so, you know, it's hard. These things are hard now. Oh, look,
1: my my mom had a whole shop of things where you sort of turn the the item over and you think, oh, that wasn't what I was expecting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... So I knew, I knew I was getting myself into trouble by walking into a shop like that. Right.
0: Well, the more expensive it is, the more you want to buy it in a you know, certain, oh. certain kind of person.
1: Once it exceeds a certain number, I, I, I it leaves me,
0: you know? Well, right, right. Because well, we're poor. Yeah. But like, you know, for a rich person, it's like, oh, this is, this is worth $650. Great. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take Two. I yeah, this was, like, $80.
1: It was a kind of a showroom. It's a place where you go in and they, like, yeah. help you devise your space. And there's really almost yeah. nothing in there. So it was the wrong yeah. place for me to be, quite frankly. Yeah. I- Ikea's more where I belong.
0: <sighs>
1: and Muji at the high end of things. And then, you know, CB- <laughs> CB2. CB2. Um, yeah. What else can I? I'm going to Russell's tonight. We're gonna to make Allison Roman's lasagna. Yum!
0: I know. Can't wait. Food is so good. Food is life.
1: <laughs> Food saves us all.
0: It's, gorg- oh. it's gorgeous
1: outside today. Once I got, I got it's almost a, my walk home. I was just about to West Broadway. I was standing at the intersection, and then suddenly this big, huge floofy optic white dog ran sprinted Mm -hmm. across the street and passed me no leash and i was like "Uh oh everyone on the street started to say what's Um, going on whose dog and this you hear from across the street grab the dog so then people are yelling get that dog and so someone does um, apprehend the dog and then who do you see but like an incredibly dodo brain looking sort of old lady with her hair pulled half back Way too long for her age. Sort of like, people are like, whose dog is this? And she's like, oh, it's mine. I thought, oh, of course
0: it is. Lazy, like lazily.
1: Right. Of course, you would have an inappropriately large optic white dog in Manhattan. Running around. And not have control over it. Hideous.
0: Yeah. Anyways. Well, my dog has really loved this podcast because... I th- I think her her dream is being in a room with I mean her real dream is like Jack and I in the same room talking to each other. She loves that. She's like this is it. Like I can just sleep. I can hear your voices. You're here. This is great. So this is this is pretty close just that I'm right here talking and she can lay flat.
1: But if it's just you and it's quiet and she's there, she's a little
0: uneasy yeah she needs she needs confirmation that you're there. that's why the talking is really helpful. Oh wow yeah I mean she 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 will sleep if I'm not talking, but I think it it's like her most kind of restful, deep sleep mm. I like that sweetie she's doing good um
1: can we say goodbye but then I want to talk to you for another minute once we're okay. not okay. recording.
0: Well, hopefully we'll be together next week. Thanks yeah, for listening. God willing. Okay, we love you. Bye. We love you. Bye. <laughs>